Hey, welcome to New Hope Underground. And I am here, and I have a special guest today, Ty Griffith. Hey, Ty. Hey. Yeah, he's the man. I'm special. Where's my introduction? What? <laughs> you want? Hey, I need to. I need to come up with a better introduction for you, don't I? <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. Hey, Ty and I are on a podcast all the time, and on another podcast called the Soma Bible Podcast. You should check it out sometime. And we uh, we talk through uh, passages of scripture. We just got done with one on uh, a really tough passage. <laughs> Because <laughs> we're kind of in this series called Difficult Bible Passages, but we took we spent a year and a half going through the Gospel of Mark together, so that was pretty cool, wasn't it, Ty? Yeah, uh, that uh, that was. Uh, if you've never slow walked through a gospel before, I highly recommend doing it. Yeah. Oh gosh, it was really good. I'm I, I still, I still feel like I'm, you know, remembering things and recalling things at certain times. So it's been great. Yeah, so um, I asked Ty, if I kind of twisted his arm, if he would help me out today on <laughs> this did, podcast. Yeah, he didn't tell me what passage this oh, was Oh, come on. on now. I did too. <laughs> no, I, I kind of sprung it on him a little bit. I'll be honest. That's what's fun about this podcast. This is a, the series podcast. Called, we're doing Summer on the Mount. And I think, of, well, we had Van last week and me and uh, Andy Noren was with us. And then the week before, I believe it was Tyler. Tyler, yeah. yeah. And um, so we started off with the Beatitudes. That was me. It was me again. It was me and Tyler. Tyler helped me. But we started off. What we're doing is everybody who, anyone who preaches on Sunday is doing a little podcast to kind of talk about that same passage they're preaching on. And um, this this podcast gets dropped at like 6 a.m. on Sunday. So you hear the sermon on that Sunday, and you listen to it anytime during the week if you want a little bit more background on that particular passage. And so we start off with the Beatitudes. Uh, Tyler did a great job with that. And uh, his wife, Lindsay, was on the first podcast with him on that. And then the second one, second week I did on the Law and the Prophets uh, one, and Tyler helped me on that podcast. And then Van did the Anger passage, and that was with... That's what I was talking I about with uh, Andy and myself. I would have been. And now, I, I'm, I'm on here like every single week. I don't mean to be, but uh, next week I don't think I will be. So, I would have been really interested to see if Tyler had this passage and his wife was still a guest yeah. on, on this week's episode. <laughs> yeah, see, I wondered if I should ask my wife to do this one with me, but uh, we, we live in Charleston, so like 30 miles away. It's hard to get to the podcast equipment, and it's an all day thing for her. So, anyway. So, Ty, you just get to be on here. <laughs> so I want to let you read the passage, and we're just going to make a few observations about it, and then because uh, I love to hear kind of Ty's observations. I'm sure he would love to hear his own observations. <laughs> and then uh, then we'll kind of get into some background stuff that I would love to tell you without getting into the sermon. Go ahead. So starting at verse 27, You have heard it said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery within his heart. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you to lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. Wow. Yeah, it's only three verses, very powerful verses. Uh, we are in what some people call the ethical teachings of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. We started off with the Beatitudes, and if you remember, Tyler kind of said some things about 
going back to chapter 4, about Jesus saying the kingdom of God is here. And that's what this whole sermon is about the kingdom of God and the coming of Jesus. And he kind of, with the Beatitudes, it makes the kind of makes the point like the people of God are not just the Pharisees, not just the people, you know, it's you, the people he's talking to, the, the people that are on the fringe, the people that are outcasts, the people that are, you know, and he's basically saying that, um, uh, basically saying that, uh, you are the ones that are bringing that can bring the kingdom of God, and he even talks about how you you can be salt and light, you know, uh, people of influence for the sake of the kingdom of God. And then he goes into uh, these teachings and the law and the prophets that we talked about a little bit before is just to kind of sum it up is that um, is that the Old Testament laws is good for us, but like like Paul writes in Romans, the law makes us conscious of our sin, so that we understand you know our situation. Uh, but we don't live under the old covenant anymore. We have a new covenant you know, with Jesus that he has forgiven us. And the paradox of Christianity is he's forgiven us, but he's also came to change us. You know, so there should be, there should be outward expression of that change. And so he starts going into the fact that a lot of people were holding on to the Ten Commandments, for instance, uh, and they were making them legal, legalistic type laws, and they were, but they weren't necessarily in their heart living them out. And, and so now he starts to, he starts to tell you some of those things. Anger was one of them. You know, he says, you know, you heard don't murder. That's right from the 10 commandments. But I tell you, you know, don't hate because that's where it starts. And now this one, I, right from the 10 commandments, you shall not commit adultery or same words for, uh, uh, or, you know, look on a on lustful. You can say the same words. In fact, the same word here is used in the Septuagint for um, covet your neighbor's wife. You know, desire, want, lust after, basically. The same word is kind of used with lustful intent. It's the, it's the same word for covet. So, you, in other words, you're echoing that he's echoing the Ten Commandments, right? But he's, but he's saying what God really intended was this. Remember the. Uh, Jeremiah 31, people, I mentioned in our sermon a couple weeks ago about how we are, if we were part of the new covenant, uh, Jeremiah 31 talks about, I'll raise up a people that don't, don't need the law on tablets anymore because the law will be written on their hearts. They will know it. They will want to live. And that's what he's saying here. You need to be people of, you know, Jeremiah 31 people uh, who understand you have this written on your heart. He even mentions the word heart here. So, Anyway, let's put some, let's talk about some initial observations. Time, we'll just kind of get into a couple of things. We'll be done without being able to really pre-read it. The first thing that came to mind was actually a passage that we just went through on the podcast. So, um, my thought process was poor Judah. Like if Judah, yeah. if Judah had read this, like <laughs> Judah and Tamar, Judah yeah. and Tamar, and knowing what caused what what didn't cause Judah to sin, you know, throw it off and cut it in, throw cut it off and throw it into the fire. Yeah. Go back to the Summa Bio podcast and hear that one on Judah and Tamar Genesis 38. That's good. So that was my first thought process was that we just did it a couple of weeks ago. So right. that, so that was fresh in my brain. Um, and really it does. Uh, it's pretty, I mean, overall, anytime you talk about just the thought being sin, instead of the actual act, action, because anybody can have a passing thought, right? Mm-hmm. So that that can be convicting, but also true. It kind of tells kind of where your head's at and where your heart's at. And maybe that's why we have such a problem with sin, is because we can 
try to white knuckle our way through not doing the action. But if our head and our heart's not right, then we're still going to struggle with that sin. Yeah, it's almost like what it's almost like he's saying. Listen, there, there are this law is here for societal reasons. All right, adultery will affect other people, but where does it start? You know, it wouldn't happen if your heart was right. Yeah, you, you wouldn't know. even have the thought process. Yeah, and I guess you know Jesus is is kind of laying out a deeper righteousness here than what the Pharisees understood or what people understood about the law. You know, we know. Oh yeah, we know. I haven't committed adultery. I've done all the right things. It's kind of like it reminds me of the rich young ruler. For some I knew reason. you were gonna get ready to go. Yeah, there. go ahead. What, no, what, I mean, I just whenever you were talking and saying yeah, that. No, I mean, go ahead and tell me the connection you think it has with that. Well, the rich young ruler, he came to Jesus and he basically said that he's done everything perfect. Yeah, I did everything perfect, and then he Jesus tells the guy, "Oh yeah, well you got all this stuff and all this money. Go sell everything you have. Come follow me." And then they, it caused such an internal conflict with the guy. He was like really depressed after he left because he couldn't do it. Yeah, it was interesting because he said, have you obeyed the commands like don't commit adultery? Have you done that? Oh, yeah. According to the law, see. Wouldn't yeah. sell everything. Well, what, what was he really saying to him when he said sell everything? What was he really saying? Well, you, you know, basically you may have... You not committed at all tree remain and followed the laws, but your kind of your heart wasn't right. Like, right. Like you, you had to kind of give <laughs> yeah. up everything you kind of even knew about following X, Y, and Z rule. Right. And, and kind of change your life. Really. Your heart is lusting after money, yeah. you know? And, and some people say that this passage could, you could refer to lust to refer to lots of different things, you know, but it just, it does seem like Jesus is pretty pointed here. <laughs> I don't know how you mix the words. You know, it's about lusting after a woman. I do think women can lust after a man, too. I think he's talking about human relations. I don't think we should say, well, this doesn't have anything to do with women. Women never lust. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. I mean, the, the pornography numbers uh, of women who watch pornography and look at pornography now are, are really high. Higher than what you would think. Well, I mean, that's definitely something I didn't Not know. as high as men. Oh, but, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. been, but. but hi, and I'm, I'm going to actually give some stats on uh, Sunday. But see, and, and if you already heard the sermon, you know what they are already. But yeah, and I, I guess a couple of things I want to notice here that I didn't really, I don't think I'm going to highlight anyway in the sermon too much. I'm still processing that because we're doing this, we're recording this earlier. But here's the thing. One thing that was interesting is uh, for me is the. Uh, is the word heart here, like I said before, what he's really getting at. Then he gets into 29 and 30, just so devastatingly, <laughs> you know, uh, amazing. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. If you lose one of your members in your whole body to be thrown into hell, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut off, throw it away. It's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. I mean, he says it twice about hell. We don't talk about hell around here, you know. That's, I don't know, just, it's just so blatantly to the, his biggest crowd. Apparently he didn't care about the crowds, you know, if they're going to stay or not stay, whoever's listening, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is to, I don't want to use the word metaphorical, but he he's taking it to the extreme, right? Like he's trying yeah. to emphasize how bad sin actually is. Yeah, and do you really do you think he means pluck out your eye and cut off your hand? No, I don't. I think that there's people over 
decades and centuries that have probably done things to themselves because they read that passage. Wrong. There was a church father by the name of Origen who actually castrated himself. But the truth is, even if you did that, it wouldn't stop lust necessarily. <laughs> I yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I if think you Jesus, poke out your eye or cut off your hand, yeah. it's not going to stop lust. And and Jesus is trying to basically emphasize the point of how bad the sin is. Yeah, and maybe we're. I, I, I'm going to say this, and it's a repeat from the sermon. You're going to hear the sermon, but um, I just find it fascinating. Right eye, right hand. Why is it right eye, right hand? And the stuff I've read kind of lends itself to to this, is that it's talking about in that culture, when you say right, you're talking about just it was the dominant mm. eye, the dominant hand. But also there was this thing about if you were a thief, there were there were some cultures back then. I think I'm not so sure about. I'll be honest with you. I don't know about the uh, Jewish culture, but it could be true. In some communities, if you if you were a thief, they would cut off your right hand. That was the exec, That was the the uh, what do you call it? Punishment. Punishment. There you go. That was a punishment. Yeah. I've so been seeing it in movies, anyways. Well, if he means this at all, why why would your right hand with lust? Okay. Yeah. We could go there, all right? We could go to a lot of different places as to how the right hand corresponds to sexual sin. It also could be, what are you stealing? You know, your, your lust is, is stealing of dignity of a woman, uh, if it's a man lusting after a woman. You know, what are you stealing? It's possible that you're stealing another man's wife. See, see, see where I'm going with that? I just find, I find that interesting. You're definitely coveting, yeah. for sure. So the right hand maybe is on purpose. Here's what he's saying. Like there's more to it than just, like you're, like you're, you're a thief. Yeah, so anyway, I just find that interesting. And wow, um, I think, I don't want to say, t- again, I don't want to re- keep repeating everything you've heard in the sermon, but since you've listened to the sermon probably first, if you have, I don't know. Maybe you haven't, but uh, it's just so urgent and so vitally serious. I mean, three verses here, and in these three verses, he just gets right to the heart of the matter and basically says, stop it, right? Because you don't understand what kind of, how this is going to destroy you. Not only that, but you lose your salvation. That's just crazy. Yeah. And, and or you won't have salvation to begin with. I don't know. And I really, I really like the fact that it starts with the thought process, the lusting versus the actual action. Yeah. Because it does seem like sin is that way, right? Sin kind of festers. So once that small sin starts in, and that's what leads to bigger sin. So if I like the fact that he attacks it early on rather than the actual action. You bet. I think so many people think that. Because it's, you know, what we consider a small sin or quiet or private, that it doesn't really affect anyone. But it will. That's his point. It will. There's, it does. It there, will. There's likely a lot of spiritual things that we don't know that happen as well. I mean, I'm not even going to try to speculate on, yeah. on that. But, I, you know, I feel like there's probably a lot of things we don't know. That's a good point. It's attached to this that we have. We have no idea. Yeah. But apparently he thinks it's extremely, I mean, 
he doesn't use these kind of words with other things. Like with anger, he does say, make sure you reconcile. He does say, if you say you fool, you'll be liable to hellfire. So this, he's got some hellfire kind of stuff going on. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. But it isn't, I don't know, this one particular thing about lust just seems so urgent. It's like, you can't mess around with this, you know. That's exactly what we do as a, in our culture. Everything's about sex. In fact, in fact, and about lust. In fact, you could make the case that a lot of Christians in our society seem to me they're willing to surrender and give up all sorts of things in their life except for their sexual morality. I know some people, like, I, I come to church every Sunday, I've been reading my Bible, but I'm still going to continue to have sex with the person I'm not married with. Or I'm still going to, you know, feed my brain full of pornography. Or I'm still going to, see what I'm saying? This is the one thing I just don't touch. I can't surrender that to God. Because our, our culture is just so sexually charged about everything that we've, we've almost made it a part of our lives. Well, that's just, we have to be, we just have to accept that you can't, surely God doesn't expect. Yeah, he does. I mean. You know what, you know, other culture did that? Sodom and Gomorrah? When they <laughs> yeah. bring out the angels and, or yeah. they, 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 they were angels, right? That they wanted, those guys wanted to have sex with? Yeah. That lot, the, lot, they went into Lot's house and. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, disgusting. So when we think about our 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 culture and sexual immorality, we probably go right back to Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, that, when I say this, when I say disgusting, I'm talking about every sexual perversion there is. You know, I'm not leaving any of them out. You know, and some people say, well, that's just, you know, perversions of the kind, of, you know, um, same sex sexual relationships or. Mm. Uh, bestiality or weird, you know, weird stuff like that. And this, you know, you can go on and on. But I guess what I'm trying to say is like uh, even heterosexual sex outside of marriage is is disgusting. I mean, in the sense, when I say disgusting, I mean anti-God. I should better, I should say that better. It, it disgusts God. And I know that as someone who reads the Bible and knows the Bible, but I also I also know that as someone who is a sinner, who has disgusted God. You know, I'm not saying that in any sort of haughty way. It's, these words are tough. They're tough for all of us, but they're still there. And Jesus is calling us to a deeper righteousness. And he's saying, if you're going to follow me, uh, you don't treat women or men, for that matter, that way. All for your own desire. All for your own lusting. You're stealing something that's not yours. And um, I don't know, it's interesting. So it's going to be a tough sermon, Ty. I don't know how <laughs> you always seem to land these. I know I land these, I do. <laughs> you got to, these these meetings that you're in, you got to have a little pushback. You need me like to come in as your agent. Oh, Darren's not going to do that one. Well, no one forced me, you know, they... I did it. Yeah, I, mean, I probably do need you as my as my agent to talk me out of things. I'm at first. I'm like, yeah, I can do this, and later on, I'm like, oh no. So, but no, no, no. This is this is good, and it's the teaching of Jesus, and I've got no problem teaching it at the best of my ability. I also have no problem seeking repentance. <laughs> that's the that that that's the part about realizing 
how deeply the sin runs and how much grace we've been shown is that we should want to change. Oh, yeah. And I, I think with all my heart, when I read through the Sermon on the Mount, I can't help but think in one way Jesus is saying that you desperately need me. Oh, yeah. I know you can't do all these things. <laughs> There's no other but way. But this really is righteousness. This is what we should be going for. This is what, you know, I want your heart to be right. And, and I think also, too, um, not to maybe judge somebody else because their sexual sin is different than ours. That's 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 a big one, too. Like, oh, yeah. Like, we can't, you know. Oh, there's certain, certain uh, people, like, you know, and not only that, but today everybody wants to define themselves by sexuality. I don't know why, but we do. And we want to throw certain groups under the bus more than others, even though sin is sin. There's, you know, there's some terrible sins. And there, I know that there are, the impacts of sin are different. You know, I, not all sin is like equal when it comes to ramification. You know, not all sin is equal when it comes to God because he said there are certain sins he detests more than others. Right. You know, that's in the scripture. Blaspheming the spirit for one. Yeah, I mean, just there's certain things just... So I... I but at the same time, we... I think the reason why I, most of the time us in the church are afraid to boldly preach and teach these passages is because we fall under the conviction of them. You know, you know, I, I, I feel that all the time. I feel every time I get up to preach, Ty, I feel like I'm a hypocrite. Mm. Why? And I hear that in my voice in the back of my head. You shouldn't be doing this. You have no right to do this. I've lusted, you know, I've had every, I think every person faces it, you know. But but the point is, do we continue in it when we meet Jesus? Do we do we want to continue in it? What are, where, where, are, where are our desires? I know Tyler talks a lot about, he's, I think he's quoted, I can't remember who, who it was he quoted, but said that we have disordered desires. I think it's one of the old church guys, church fathers, that are... The problem with our desires is they're disordered. You know, you desire Jesus, but he comes in last. You know, so we got to get part of, yes, we are sinners. We're also, you know, we're, and we're forgiven by the grace of Jesus, even if you've committed the worst adulteries. Um, that's amazing to think that he knows us and knows you that intimately and still forgives. But it, but it doesn't mean he's going to quit calling you to righteousness. You know? repent, and just because and just because grace abounds, does that mean we should keep on sinning? You know, Romans six one. No. You know. So we have a decision to make when we face this text. Are we going to take it lightly? Are we going to just say, "Well, I just can't do anything about it"? I, just, you know, when you say that, you're basically saying, "Well, the devil." Runs my life. I guess I nothing I can really do about it. You can, Jesus, you can have every other part of me. I'll go to church every week, but you can't have my sex life. And I think there's that want to change part of it too. Like and you mentioned that. Yeah. So there might have somebody that's you know, for real has issues with this problem. I think that want that want to change is probably that first step. I think you're right. Hey, Ty, thanks for sitting in on yeah. this with yeah, me. Th thanks for giving me plenty of warning. It wasn't easy. <laughs> I know. He was just, he's was he been so kind and helpful to me. And, uh, hey, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back with New Hope Underground. You know, we're hoping to uh, 
to be hearing some stories here soon from some people, but also we're going to continue these sermon uh, recordings. So hope you tune back in uh, next week.